Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 1 Timothy chapter number 6, starting at verse number 17, the Bible says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Let's bow and pray. Father God, thank You very much for gathering Your saints here this morning. Thank You for Your Word. Help me tell the truth with the right attitude and the right way. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alright, what do we see in 1 Timothy chapter 6? Earlier we saw that there was a warning of money because it can easily, easily become an idol. And we saw that in verse number 10, the love of money, where we don't want to love money more than we love God. And we looked at the sacrifice of Christian character that can be made and the sacrifice of Christian conduct if you fall in love with money more than you fall in love with God. You don't want to sacrifice your character just to make a buck. And here, the charge is going out And it's a very specific charge here. Who would Timothy give this charge to? It's believers. These are saved people. We see that easily by reading the context of the passage. But this is one of the most violated verses in Scripture for preachers to preach on. And they tend to stay away from this verse because they don't want to offend the rich giver in the church. And the Bible's an equal, an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> it's got something to say for everybody. Preacher, yeah, liquors are the devil. Yeah, you know, this, uh, this is worldly. I'm against. But when they come to this verse, you can't be okay with preaching against all the filth on the internet, all the junk that comes across on the radio, all the liquor sales, all that. And then when you get to this verse, Stay away from it because you know the biggest frustration for a carnal, rich Christian is to hear some preacher who he makes more money than tell him what the Bible says about money. And so they stay away because they don't want to give up the big offering. So, what does a preacher have to do? He's got to preach all the counsel of God. He can't run from verses. He's got to own them. He's got to preach them. He can't be bought out. And I hope, I hope that we don't have a church or build a church. I don't want to be so... We live in America. We're all rich. We are. But I don't want to be so rich and have so much money that I'm embarrassed to give somebody a gospel track and talk to them about Jesus Christ. Now, we can go down the line on all the, all the people in the state of Tennessee and identify the billionaires, millionaires, all that. But if we live 
and we have a home, we're rich. <laughs> so we can make it to, you know, that's for the million and billionaires. And I guess you can make the argument for that. But all of us, I think, can glean some truth. Number one, here's some things that the passage of Scripture should teach us. Number one, no rich person should be excluded from fellowship because they're wealthy. There's nothing wrong with having wealth and there's nothing wrong. And you don't see anywhere in the Bible where God forbids somebody from being rich. You don't see anywhere in the Bible where rich men get a pass when it's time to preach on topics that are close to their heart. Why? Because they need a charge just like everybody else. I'm against liquor because the Bible's against it. If, if, if somebody comes in here and they're, and they're, they're, on, they're on liquor, I don't know it, but I preach against it. They get offended. They talk to me afterwards. And, Man, look, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You can go do what you want. But my job is to give you the truth. That man's offended. He's got to figure out if he wants to keep coming and keep hearing some truth or if he wants to run right down to the bar and his bar buddies or aren't going to do a thing for him. And somebody that has money can get offended and come to me the same way. And I'm going to say, look, if I got out of the Bible, you show me, you tell me. But I've got to give you the charge of what the Bible says. I have to. You go and do with it what you want. They need straight talk just like everybody else. We're not going to flatter the rich. We're not going to fear the rich. We're going to be biblically fair. We're going to give them the negative and we're going to give them the positive. And that's exactly what the Bible does. Let's look at verse number 17. Charge them that are rich in this world. And here's, here, here's the negative warning. Look what it says. Be not high-minded. That's, that's somebody, they're really proud. They, they really think of themselves more highly than they ought to. And they elevate themselves so high that in their mind, they're it. Now, if you are a child sitting here today and you have a brother or sister, I am sure that you have had an item that was so precious and close to you that as soon as your brother or your sister touched that, oh boy, you just rose up. And you got as high as you can get. And you know what? That's mine. How dare you touch my tractor or my truck or my dolly? Right? We gotta get it. We gotta get a little lid on that. We gotta check our hearts. Because we don't want to grow up and have cars and tractors that are real and not toys and end up being so rich and so high-minded that in our mind we elevate ourselves so high that everybody else sees, oh man, that guy, that girl, they're a Christian. They're a bit, they're a bit high-minded for me. So we need to be careful. Even as little ones growing up, we can take, we can, we can take some truth from this. We know that we're not supposed to boast, right? That's an easy thing. We learned that in Sunday school. 
And we, we learn that if we grow up in a Christian home from we're little ones. So what do we do? We refrain from boasting because we know that if we boast, people are going to say, well, that guy, is, he's proud, he's arrogant, he's full of himself. So we don't do it because we don't want people to think that or say that. But I'm submitting to you, is that a worldly fleshly motive? Or should we not want to boast and say those things because of what Jesus Christ has done for us and because we want to live a life that is honoring to Him? You see the difference? You see the difference? Oh, you can boast about, I got an A+. I did so great. And then when the teacher says, you really ought not do that. The other kids are going to think you're full of yourself. And you stop doing it, which is great. But what's your motive? Is it because of others? And your own personal embarrassment? Or is it because you just want to love what Jesus wants you to love? It's a difference. It's a difference. All right. What else do we see as the negative? Let's get. Um, uh, uh, let's get. Let's get Proverbs twenty three. Proverbs twenty three. You can't trust that your money is always going to be with you. And you can't trust that your money is always going to do for you what you want it to do for you. How do I know that? The stock market crashes. You can lose your job. Business can dry up. Inflation hits. Your money isn't worth as much as you thought it was worth. All these things happen. And that's why the Bible says you can't trust. Don't, don't put your trust in money. Don't put, it's uncertain. Everybody says, well, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a degree because I want to get a job that has job security. There's no such thing as job security, folks. People can get fired at any time. All of a sudden now, there goes that money. Culturally speaking, not biblically speaking, my opinion and the way that I've seen it is that it used to be if you got a job, you stayed, I mean, they kept you on that job for till you died or till you wanted to retire. It's not really that way anymore. People get a job and it could change quickly. So culturally, we've made a shift, but, but biblically, the Bible gives us a principle in Proverbs 23, verse 5, and it says... For thou not, eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye. Wait, I got the wrong verse again. Why do I do that? For riches certainly make themselves wings is what I'm looking for. Riches fly away. <laughs> riches fly away. And the Bible says it's as an eagle. Right toward heaven. You're going to have to look the verse up. But that's what, You ever hear money have wings? 
That's a Bible, that's a Bible principle. It's, it's gone. It's gone. What's the positive? What's the positive? Let's get Acts chapter number 17. You know why God has given us stuff? He's given us riches so that we can exalt Him, not exalt ourselves. Here's what we see. Let's see who the life source is. Acts chapter 17, verse number 25. The Bible says, Neither is worship with men's hands as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. He's the life source. And kids, He gives that life source moment by moment. Young people, pay attention. Breathe in. Hold your breath for a second. Hold your breath. You, you got one guarantee right now. That next step. That was your only guarantee. You're only guaranteed an exhale. Now, I want you to go, go, go breathe in again. Inhale. Now, thank God before you exhale. He's the source of life. He is. And He is the giver of that breath of life. He's that source moment by moment by moment. You want to exhaust giving thanks to God? Try it for five minutes every time you have to breathe in. Thank God before you breathe out. Because the only thing you're guaranteed is an exhale. You're not guaranteed the next inhale. Thank God. Well, I get food and it's just rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, God. And just you swallow it in 30 seconds. We better be praying more. Than for our food, right? <laughs> right? He is the life source. And He is that life source moment by moment by moment. That's precious. If you can wrap your head around that and just take hold of that, oh boy, that's good. That's good. And He gives us richly all things to enjoy. You know what? I'm healthy, I'm strong, I'm young. Is that what you think, kids? Or do you think, oh, I'm just a little weakling? God gave you that. God gave you that. So you get success. You get a job that makes money. Hmm, you know what? I really am successful. And we get away from God. I've got a great work ethic, I've got great work diligence. Who gave you the physical strength to do that? I've got great negotiating skills. I've got great business ideas. Who gave you the mental clarity to be able to think that up? He's the life source. We don't want to trust in uncertain riches. Positive. He gives us all things richly to enjoy. Let's get back to our... Uh, let's get back to 1 Timothy. 
Jesus Christ, He made it all, He owns it all, because Christ is all. These are heart matters. I'm going to flip back. Let's do Philippians chapter number 2. Let's get Philippians 2 and 2 Corinthians 8. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Or for the kids, it's the Philippians. Right? Depending on how you want to say it. If you're from Philippi, I guess you would say I'm a Philippian. But we're in 2 Corinthians. Let's do, uh, let's do Philippians chapter 2 first. Alright. Philippians chapter 2 verse number 7. Look. Now, verse number 6, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation, and took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus Christ, a heart truly connected to God, we can enjoy the comfort of what He gives. He came as a servant. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 9. Let's get 2 Corinthians passage. Chapter 8, verse number 9, the Bible says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. Jesus Christ, God Almighty, gave up form of a servant so that you don't have to suffer Eternal separation from God. God give us all things richly. We should use it for His glory. It's not the stuff that we've got. It's the use of the stuff that gives us enjoyment and contentment. When I was growing up, I had two, I had four really close friends all the way through high school. We stayed in contact for quite some time after high school. But two were brothers, and everybody knew their dad was rich because he had a boat. His big boat. <laughs> and what one of these John boats? <laughs> it's big. They put it in a marina and everything down Cape May, which, by the way, I met my darling wife in Cape May. <laughs> I won't start singing the Kate May song. Well, you know what happens after you've had a boat for so long? You need to add another 10 foot to it. And then you have that one for so long, you add another 10 foot to, to it. Because in the marina, the guy with the biggest boat's got the most money. <laughs> I tell you, it was nice. It was a nice boat. But you know what made that boat enjoyable? The use of it. Opening the boat up to his friends' friends and taking them out fishing. and That was some good times. He wanted to use it for something more than just showing it off. And I couldn't afford to, my family couldn't afford to go out Tuna fishing, the gas alone was $400 just to get out there and back. I don't, but somebody had money, 
said, you know what? Let's take the boys out, have them a good time. You ever see a big, 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 big house and it's got a for sale sign on it because people just hate each other and they can't, they got eight, you got 8,000 square foot and you can't get along. <laughs> you, go, you go over there, you go over there and work it out, separate for a little bit. But you got a, you got a McMansion, but there's no functional use. Telling the kids you got toys. You got toys? No enjoyment. No enjoyment. Our one time, the only toy we bought him was a 50 cent bouncing ball. That's all he had. And he was happy. We bought him up and stuff he didn't play with it. But you got a big, nice toy, but every time you go up to that toy, there's a fight with someone. There's stress with something. You got no enjoyment. And you're trusting in that. You can't get any happy use out of it. That's idle in your life. And God says, don't forget it. Yeah. He's the giver of all things. Well, how does he give it to me? Dad works. Dad bought it. God gave dad a job. God convinced mom that when dad said it's okay to buy it, that it was a good idea. <laughs> God gives it. He does. All right, let's move on. Number two, what we can glean from this Wealthy people are not excluded from fellowship. They should be here, just like anybody else. They should be welcomed. But we, as believers, if a rich person comes in, we shouldn't fellowship with, with them on the basis of, well, we want something from them. We know they have money, and so we want them to be able to share that money with us. Look, the Bible says, what does it say? That they do good. It is never wrong for rich believers to use their money to do good. But it is wrong for us if our motive for fellowshipping with them is for them to do good to us. But it's never, never wrong if you've got money to do good. The Bible says that they be rich in good works. Same idea. It's never wrong for them to use their riches for good works. But it's always wrong for us to have a, a little side motive for fellowshipping with them so that they use those riches for our good works. It's our motive. It's our heart motive. People don't see it, but it's in our heart. The Bible says, what's the positive? Having um, a rich person, they should be ready to distribute. But we're kind of hanging out with them because we want them to distribute it to us. Bad motive. Willing to communicate. Do you know how much money it costs to print gospel tracts, to print Bibles, to print hymnals, to get the gospel out? It takes money. Someone that wants to use their money to help get that gospel out there? That's never wrong. Never wrong. Nothing gets done without money. Not in this world. God has given you, if you're rich, a very, very noteworthy 
responsibility. Do good. Be rich in good works. Be ready to distribute. Be willing to communicate. Number three. Wealthy Christians in a church, they're in every church that wish to use their money for God. Just go on one of these airplane sites and see how much money it costs to fly overseas. It isn't a $79 flight on Fly Frontier. It's not. It's multi-thousand. Somebody that's got money is helping a missionary get on the field to do what God has called them to do. This bill... I know how much it costs to build stuff. I'm sure all the dads here know how much it costs to build stuff. It costs a lot of money. This building, graciously given to us, who is somebody that is willing to distribute and is rich in good works. It is. It is. And it takes money to build this. And he wants to use it for the Lord. You know how humbling that is? I think about that every time I open the doors to come in. All right, verse number 19. What do we see? The Bible says, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Let's wrap up with exposing this last verse. Be a good steward of what God has blessed you with. It has eternal value and eternal merit and eternal focus. Look at what it says. First, it says, laying up in store for themselves. Boys and girls, wisely start gathering. Wisely start saving. Wisely start investing. Wisely start spending with an eternal perspective as a motive. You can buy a, a, a piece of bubble gum. How much does the bubble gum cost at All Good Diner? You get two pieces of bubble gum. You put in one quarter or two quarters. One quarter. 25 cents. You can put in the, in the gumball machine at the All Good Diner. And you turn the thing... And you put your hand out, and you know what comes out? Two pieces of bubble gum. And you look like a chipmunk for 30 seconds, right? You do. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. But, is there a plan? Is there thinking, can I also save and spend and invest in God's kingdom? We get tracks printed. I know exactly how much the tracks cost. Uh, 2.4 uh, cents if you run 10,000 of them and you have them done yourself. And then it gets lower for the next run because you don't have to do the artwork. You know how many, you know how much 25 cents can buy in tracks? That's 10 tracks. You can hand them out. Wow. Look, I'm not telling you what you have to do or anything. I'm just trying to give you an eternal perspective. On money. Boys and girls, some of you might grow up to be teachers or doctors. 
or lawyers. What you going to do with your money? Is it all going to be for yourself? Or are you going to lay up in store for yourself? The Bible says next, a good foundation. A good foundation. Get Psalm chapter 10 and 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Kids, if you're awake, say, I'm awake. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave the adults alone. Boys, if you're awake, say, I'm awake. I'm awake. All right, amen. You can say amen too, kids. Keep me, uh, keep me awake. Come on, kids. All right, we got Psalm chapter number 10, verse number 25. No, Psalm 10. All right, let's get the first Corinthians verse. Sorry, guys. First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter number three. Verse number eleven, the Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We have an advocate with the Father, and that's Jesus Christ, the righteous. Our foundation is not on any external privilege. It's not on any external birth. None of the things that we would think, none of it, education, money, none of those things are everlasting. It's a sandy, uncertain foundation. Jesus Christ is the foundation. We see Him as the foundation of the church in Matthew 16, 18. We see Him as the foundation of the apostles and the prophets in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. We see Him as the foundation for all believers in Colossians 2. We see Him as the sure foundation in Isaiah 28, 16. And we see in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. The wicked will pass away, but not the righteous. One by one, they will stand and I will stand and you will stand if your foundation is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And the richest man in the world is the one who can truly, truly appreciate all that God has given him. And the Bible says as we wind down, we've got two more passages of Scripture in this verse. It says, against the time to come. When you grow crops, how many of you kids have ever planted fruits or vegetables? Put your hand up. You ever try that? And in the beginning, what is it? You drop a seed. That's called seed time. You drop a seed, right? And then what do you do the next day? You water, and then you got to pick weeds so it doesn't overtake the garden. And then eventually, you know what comes? Harvest time. And then you get to pick your fruits and your vegetables. There's seed time and there's harvest. You sow something, you sow the seed, and you reap the harvest, right? We can understand that. Against that, there's a time to come for that. You don't put the seed in and grab the harvest the next day. 
There's a connection to this life and the time to come. For us as parents, there's gonna there's a time's gonna come where our kids are gonna sit back in their own homes and their own houses around their own table, and they're gonna say, You remember that time when dad or mom or at church or with our friends? We're planting seeds with our kids right now on what to trust in and who to live for. And whether they make the decision that we want them to make or not, there is going to come a time when they're going to be sitting around the family table or they're going to be sitting around with their buddies. They're going to be hanging out with their friends, sitting on a log somewhere out in the woods, and they're going to say, I really hated when dad had to keep telling me about the Bible, but I respect him for it. Or, you remember when mom taught us to save our money and now we have, I'm telling you, whatever seed you plant, it's going to reap some type of harvest. There's going to be a time to come and people are going to, our kids are going to talk, our friends are going to talk, they are. And there's a crown of rejoicing for those who've played a part in winning souls to Christ. And there is a connection to this life and when you step out into eternity. Young people, listen up. Jesus Christ the righteous can be your advocate. But there is a time to come when you are going to pass out and you're going to pass out into eternity. And it's going to either be with the Lord or eternally separated from the Lord in a place called hell. Nobody wants that for you. We're going to give you God's Word and His truth. But He wants you to trust in Him. And you know, if you were saved, you share the Gospel with somebody, there's a crown of rejoicing for those that love winning souls and playing a part in that. And as we finish up, the Bible finishes with lay hold on eternal life. As a Christian, if you were saved, you have it. We can all demonstrate that by how we use our money. If you've trusted in the living God, we should trust Him with our money to invest it in an eternal perspective. We're rich in good works. All of us should be willing to communicate and witness to anyone. But we can't do that if uncertain riches are always on our mind. I hope you got something out of that. I hope you kids learn to save money, spend money wisely, invest your money wisely. Because when you grow up, those habits are going to be with you. And they're harder to break when you get older. All right, let's bow our heads. And... Thank you, Lord Jesus. We appreciate all you've done for us. Help us to trust in you as the living God. Help us to be rich in good works. Help us to take all that we've learned today. Help us to make a good application to our lives this week as we leave. Thank you and for it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is 
ออก